the City of Albuquerque Public Art Urban Enhancement Division and Department of Arts and Culture proudly present Take Another Look. Built on the foundation of two city ordinances, art in municipal places, and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund, the Public Art Urban Enhancement Division provides funds to artists to create art for the public, as well as arts organizations for arts and cultural programming. Join us as we discuss everything related to funding artists in the public realm with host Joni Palmer. Hello, I'm Joni Palmer, and welcome back to Take Another Look at Albuquerque's Public Art. Today's episode is called The Public Art Collection, The City of Albuquerque's Public Art Collection 101, which I hope makes you all, our podcast listeners, eager for Public Art Collection 102 episodes, so stay tuned. This afternoon, I am talking with Matt Carter, the City of Albuquerque Public Art Collections Manager, and Denicia Monet Malone, founder and principal planner for Rook. Thank you for joining us in the studio today, Matt. Well, thank you. Now, Matt is the collection manager, uh, collections manager for the Albuquerque Public Art Urban Enhancement Program. He oversees the care and maintenance of the public art collection, manages public art projects, and coordinates the Veterans Memorial Review Committee. Mm-hmm. And also joining us today, virtually from Indianapolis, is Denicia Monet Malone. Thank you for joining us via Zoom today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Denicia is an arts and cultural ambassador and urban planner pursuing her PhD on the user experience of race. She is the founder, principal, and interaction designer with Rook, a multidisciplinary cultural equity research and design studio founded in 2016. So we're really excited to have you with us today, Denicia. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. All right. Okay, well, let's get started. And and I I always add the caveat, I want you to, to, you know, I'll be asking questions of each of you, but um, please talk amongst yourselves. um, And I'll just keep us moving forward through this conversation about what it means to build, maintain, and care for a public art collection. And we'll also dig a little bit into how uh, an upcoming public art census can help us understand other forms of public creative expression, cultural equity, and spatial justice throughout Bernalillo County. So I'm gonna start with you, Matt. Okay. Um, So how did you get involved in the public art world? I think it, you know, I've always been involved in art in some way or another. My parents are very supportive of the arts. My mom was a, a musician, a singer, and my dad was an appreciator of the arts. Um, he, he worked in corporate America. But even in, in, in a young age, I think, going to museums and going and experiencing, you know, the cities that we were living in and what, what it had to offer was probably my earliest memories of that. But, you know, jumping forward to when I was in, in college, I worked with an artist at the university I was going to. He was he was one of my professors, and he was commissioned to do a couple pieces on the campus that I went to school with. And so I, I was exposed to public mm. art from um, from the making side of it. Oh, cool! And from the very beginning, you know, from the concept design to placemaking to you know then the installation and just making it all happen. And then many years later, moving to Albuquerque and seeing all the art that Albuquerque had being exposed to how a city really has embraced public art mm-hmm. um, was probably um my you know um 
introduction and or you know diving into it with both feet was really when I moved to Albuquerque oh okay so yeah. how long have you been with the city here I, at city of Albuquerque I've been with the city for 18 years now um, but I've been with public art for 15 of those 18 years the first okay. three years I was working with within the museum system um, so I worked for the Bloom Museum and I also worked for the Albuquerque Museum of Art and History and and so how did you come to the public art program from what from the museum side of things? Uh, you know, there was there was a job application, there was a job <laughs> opening, and I really just applied for the job. Right. Um, I knew I knew a couple. I knew the, the previous collections manager. He would come over to the museum a lot, and because there was some public artworks on the museum property, and he would check on it and 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 some things. So I met met my my former colleague. Um, um, that way and kind of said hey there's a position opening up and I just applied for it and so and then um, when I joined there was only three of us with the program so um, and, and we've grown since then so now there's what like a handful of you like there's eight of us now. oh right. um, there's yeah. so there's seven of us and then we have a contractor so that makes eight eight of us mm -hmm. that are kind of diving deep in and with both feet and like I said and and all of us have different roles and different, you know, experiences that we bring to the to the table. And and so, are you who who else on your staff helps you with the the public art collection in terms of your very particular role, or is that you? It's a you know we're you know in the early days we were in everybody's projects you know when it mm -hmm. was just the three of us and and in some ways it's still the same. Um, I have. Um, we kind of riff off of each other. It's like, oh, this is coming up, or this happened. They let me know that something happens, and then I have a whole crew of contractors that I work with that actually go out and and do whatever we might need to have done that might have happened, or just the basic maintenance of things. Okay. Um, but you know, we're we're kind of. I think it's even though there's eight of us, there we're still in each other's projects in some ways, and we're still sitting around the table every Monday, kind of saying this is what's going on I need help with this or 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 this has come up any ideas so it's very much about the collaboration mm. and, and a team environment and, and working together yeah so no silos there no not really yeah, I yeah. mean I mean I do a lot of the the installation work and overseeing of the city hall installations as well as the other city facilities when it comes to installing public art with a contract with one of our our contractors vendors but um, I, still open to input and um you know it's like oh i don't like it hung that way or what do you think how how many what kind of pieces do you think this should you know what are we looking like so we kind of we're all artists in some ways that work for public mm. art so we have our opinions and we have our our aesthetics that we like to bring to the table and and have those conversations well so um and this gets me to another one of my questions for you is what does it mean to care for public art uh, the public art collection, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe provide us some with a couple examples. Sure. Well, you know, it's sometimes it's reactionary. Um, when something happens to the piece, you have to go out and deal with it and you have to fix it or do a graffiti removal or, or, or on that level. But a lot of the times, and we're just, we're now getting into a position where we can be more proactive mm. about the care and feeding of the collection. Um, you know, we've been collecting artwork for 45 years. We've been commissioning and accessing, uh, bringing artworks into the public art collection for the last 45 years. Okay. And so we have a lot of works that are out in the public and um, we're trying to be the best stewards as we can 
to maintain them and keep them going, getting them on regular cleanings and, and, and visual inspections and, and just kind of making sure that they're still um, true to the artist's vision mm -hmm. as possible with being out in the public, obviously the environment changes too. And how does that affect the artwork and, right. and, and, and having those conversations. But for most of the time it's just making sure that they're, they're, they're taken care of respectfully and in, 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 in staying true to the artist's original intent and vision as mm -hmm. much as we can. And, and so, um, I guess, how would you describe or characterize the public art collection? I think it's a reflection of the citizens of Albuquerque. I think mm -hmm. if you were to look at our collection from the very beginning to now, you'll probably be able to identify it through the the um, the eras, because the styles of mm. the style of work that and how the artwork has evolved, how the artists have, you know, brought in new techniques and new media that wasn't right. my that they didn't use back in the day. You're still going to see a lot of landscapes because Albuquerque is <laughs> just beautiful with landscapes and right? you can't get away from it. Um, but I think it's, we try, and I think from, from our standpoint, from when we're commissioning a piece of artwork and putting together the art selection committee, we're trying to make sure that we um, are getting artists well we're, we're putting together a committee that's going to represent albuquerque mm -hmm. and you can see that changing over time through the makeup of the, of the committee right, um, right because um the one thing that we always say is the staff don't we don't get to vote you know we're just there to be the the instruments so we're there to kind of drive the bus or or guide it to and provide information it's like oh this right you know we 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 have examples of this piece in the collection or we don't have examples or you know we're well represented in this genre what about this that's what we bring to the table when we're working with the art selection committee right and then they then you know kind of start going through the process um of identifying the prospectus identifying um what the the, the neighborhood or the user agency is looking for so we can then present that to the artist. Mm. And then the artist has a, a pretty good um, understanding of what what they may ultimately propose or if their style is it will be a good fit for this particular call for art. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably dig into that a little bit in a, in a future episode mm -hmm. to help people understand how is art selected. Because right, it sounds exactly. like it's a pretty extensive process. It is. A bunch of different people who are involved. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, well, I'm going to ask you one more question. Sure. And um, so, and we touched on this in the last episode uh, about the ordinance. Mm -hmm. So what do ordinance changes mean for the maintenance and conservation of the collection? Well, what it means is that th there's been some very significant ordin ordinance changes over the years, which has allowed us to um, our most two the most recent ones were we were allowed to um, we expanded what is public art mm -hmm. through digital um, artwork and temporary artwork. Okay. So, which that ordinance changed allowed us to basically reach out to other artists that we weren't able to really work with in the past and um you know because there's a whole you know the public art has evolved in in the if you look at the public art field and what's happening in public art you know we've done 
there's still a, a lot of bronze people. There's still a lot of traditional mm-hmm. works that cities and states still commission. But there's also a whole handful of artists that are out there that are that are working other media. And, and Denise, we're going to get into that in a couple minutes about um, about your definition of right. public art. Um, yeah. So it allows us to work with a different group of artists that we wouldn't might not be able to work with in the past. And mm-hmm. then with the temporary aspect of it, it um, it's really about event-based. And it's mm-hmm. about getting the community engaged in something at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And it might, and, and if you were to commission something for that time period and then that event goes away and that piece stays there, it's, it's going to be different. Right. And so it's about it living in someone's mind and experiences and living on in that way. Right. Um, and then the other aspect of the art audience change, which is really what affects what I do, is the conservation. We mm-hmm. recently passed uh, our ordinance to go to one and a half percent. And w- whereas before um, that ordinance change, it was one percent for art, t- up to 20 percent of that one percent was used for conservation and administrative costs. And then 80 percent was used for the commissioning of artwork. Right. Now we're in some ways a true one percent for art collection. Oh, yeah. Because we have one percent for art and we have that other half percent, which is used for conservation. And like I said before, we've been um, commissioning and collecting artwork for the last 45 years because we're 45 years old. And while um, we've been bringing in more and more artwork every single year, our funding is kind of just kind of leveled off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, which means more artwork, less money to to maintain. Right. And so by adding, by changing the ordinance and, and doing a half percent, we have... Uh, we have funds that we can really truly put towards the oh, care and feeding of the artwork. And, you know, we, if you think about it, we have artworks now that are going on 20 years in the collection that have been mm-hmm. in, the, in the built environment for the last 20 years. Right, right. And early on when a new piece goes in, you don't really have to maintain it that much. You might have to do it once a year cleaning, you know, polishing and, and all that other stuff. But now after 20 years, the sun and the environment, the weather, the, it, it's it's taking its toll on the material and you know you might have to do a repainting you might have to do this you might have to change some things up and right. and that gets costly and takes time it's not just a quick we're going to do a quick little you know right <laughs> as i sometimes call it spit and polish right but, <laughs> right but it it takes more time you have to do you know repatina you have to do this all that other stuff you might have to remove the work and have it sent back to the artist to do a completely redo mm-hmm. um and, and that you know, and so um, we're actually doing that right now with one of our artists. Um, there was a fountain in Old Town that unfortunately was vandalized, and there, it was a bronze fountain, and, and it was pulled off its mounts. And so we've crated it up and and shipped it back to Wyoming, and she's going to mm. do a complete restoration on it. Wow! So and then we'll that's exciting. It is. Then exciting. It, it looks like a a, a new piece. A new piece. And, you know, it a is. New piece. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so so you know that's that's what is really affecting, and that's what I think the ordinance change means for us is that mm. we're actually able to put more resources towards the con for the towards the con the the, the collection for yeah. conservation and all that stuff and and take care of the works for another 20 30 years right and which tells albuquerque's story right well um thank you for all of that oh, yeah. you, you you've also raised a lot of really interesting questions and and um we might get into those today but we also stay tuned for upcoming episodes to mm-hmm dig into some of those things. So now that we've talked with Matt about the collection from a city staff perspective, 
Let's talk about the collection from the perspective of someone who is learning about our program and collection and will be contributing to how we think about our collection into the future. So, Denicia, you are the founder and principal of Rook. It's spelled R-O-K-H, but it is pronounced Rook. Um, you told me a, bit, a little bit the other day about where this name came from, and, and, and I was really intrigued. So can you tell our listeners this story? Sure, 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 sure. Um, yes, yeah, so I am a, a chess player, and I tend to look at things through game strategy. Um, and the Rook chess piece is uh, my favorite chess piece on the board. I also think it's one of the most powerful. Um, and so when we're thinking about you know, what, what the impetus and um, objective is of, of our company and our organization, it's really intended to make interactions um, easier for people. Mm. And so Rook felt appropriate. Um, all of what we do in, in our research, in our design, in our making, um, in our curating is, is always guided by how do we uh, situate this particular space, this open zone, so that there are as, min as many uh, wholesome interactions as possible. Mm -hmm. And wholesome is defined in a variety of ways within our company, but it's mm -hmm. simply thinking through, we want people to connect. We think when people have uh, interpersonal connections, um, even if for a split second, if it's if it's done through intention and care, then that can turn into a lifelong, mm -hmm. um, something lifelong, you know, whether it's a friendship, a mentorship, uh, some kind of relationship. So that's what we do. That's that's cool. That's really I love to hear about how people name their firms. Um, yeah. So. Um, so who is part of your team? And you've just, you know, suggested some of the things that you all do. But um, can you tell us a little bit about some of your projects? And um, before yeah. we dig into why we have you here today. Sure, sure. Uh, so our team um, is kind of malleable, the same way that a chessboard is always moving. So we have a core team of folks who are sort of our lead strategists. And that's myself, um, an artist and developer uh, in the Midwest. And... Um, a geographer. And then we bring in analysts, scholars, um, curators, artists. It all depends on the project that we have at hand. The one sort of core thing that we do with our uh, collaborators, what I call them, call our crew, is we're looking for folks who have either been marginalized or are in some way of the global majority. And so most of our thinkers and doers um, in our pool of folks are what others would consider people of color. We call them people of the global majority, um, mm. women or uh, folks who are gender non-conforming, gender non-specific, uh, trans, et cetera. Um, so that's sort of the, the folks that we work with. We think we come up with uh, lots of great ideas together. And depending on Again, the project at hand, we just throw out an open call to our pool of collaborators and see who is interested or might have a vested um, stake in participating in that, that quandary of the day. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to go about, about your work. That's really exciting. Uh, I don't hear that very much out there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It gives us, I mean, you know, when we think about brain power, um, and the idea of brain drain, you know, I grew mm -hmm. up in a very particular place in the country, but I no longer live there. 
um, but I still have an interest there. And mm-hmm. so using that sort of, that same sort of uh, thought, all of us are transient in some way. Our, mm-hmm. Many of us in my community are definitely transient, um, but we still care about where we're from or we have developed home elsewhere. But how mm-hmm. do we share our knowledge, the things that we've learned, seen, um, been involved in? And it's worked out very well for us because we, we get to sort of sharp, sharpen our own iron, as mm-hmm. was the saying when I was growing up. Right. Um, by not just looking at what's nearby, but you know, recognizing that we have we have allies and associates and comrades all over the world. Yeah. So. Well, um, how then? So, with all of all of these different things happening and these various collaborators, um, how did you get involved in the public art world and then bring that to this group of people that you're working with? Yeah, I have been. Well, I guess I started as an artist. Um, I actually remember, I don't know how personal we can get on the yeah, show, but yeah, I remember yeah. getting Go for scolded it. in <laughs> uh, I remember getting scolded in, in primary school uh, because I would doodle all day. Mm. Um, and that the teacher uh, felt it her duty to pull my mother to the side and say that, you know, your daughter will never amount to anything because all she does is doodle. Mm. And I have been a doodler my entire <laughs> life. I've been an artist my entire life. I went to school to study um, arts and engineering, and found my way into the space of urban planning and architecture, uh, which for me was a bit more communal and allowed me to spend more time working with my neighbors and with people that I cared about that engineering didn't afford at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my career has just blossomed from there. I have mm-hmm. a, a passion for public space. I have um, a vested interest in in quality housing. And these are things just from my personal story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, a just a huge admiration for artists. I think that artists make the world go round. Um, yeah. We would all live in very dull environments if not for creatives. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, yeah. right. No, I agree with um, that for sure. Yeah, yeah right. You know? So we tend to say that uh, artists are essential workers mm-hmm. and everything from everything has just sort of fallen into place from from there, uh, working on projects in the public sphere. So the public art census came about um, doing research around spatial justice, um, being very uh, taken and affected by the brutality that was happening um, the last five to seven years as I was sort of emerging through my, my studies and scholarship. And I was just noticing a correlation between the places and spaces that my community lives in, I come from a diasporic community and the built environment around them and what that environment was saying, mm-hmm. either in honor of our bodies or in, you know, to dismantle our, our bodies. Um, and it's just sort of sprawled out from there. And we had a really great opportunity to write a paper about it and that paper was um, picked up and resourced and shared over and over again and we had an ally in Indianapolis who said we're, we're looking to do something with what you've presented here do you have ideas to help us with this problem and the public art census grew out of that all right so uh, you all are the designers of the country's first public art census which you know is uh, and and that was at a, in a project in um, in Indiana, Marion County, right? Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, we uh, we started that project in 20, I'm going to say 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, we did six to seven months of scouting um, the entire county as well, as we we're planning to do in Bernalillo. And then it took us a few months to sort of, you know, assess our findings, analyze um, all of the data. And then we produced this sort of robust, um, interactive report for our stakeholders um, in Marion County, Indianapolis, um, as they were really focused on this idea of spatial justice and enhancing the built environment so that more people had um, an opportunity to enjoy public spaces, Mm -hmm. uh, recognizing some of the things that were going on in our city um, as they were in other cities. You know, we had folks who were um, dying from police brutality. We had folks who were being targeted in public spaces, um, folks who were being denied access to certain public spaces or being harassed in public spaces. And so that broader question of what is spatial equity and what does spatial justice mean and look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, again, have a vested interest in the idea of aesthetic and facade as an architect and urban planner, mm-hmm. that's the space that I, I tend to interrogate. And and so, you know, going back to um, what Matt was talking about, expanding the definition of public art, um, and I was reading through the uh, Marion County uh, report, and mm-hmm. you have, I'd like to share with our, our podcast audience, how do you define public art and where do you see it being, growing, moving? Yeah, um, I, I really liked um the way Matt approached it, and I approach it from a citizen's point of view, um, which is the, the the impetus of the public art census. It's meant to be something that anyone can have access to. And so for us, public art truly is anything that is visible from the public right of way. Um, so if you're walking on a sidewalk, or if you're walking on a path or on a road, um, an alley, all of those spaces from where you are in your vantage point, what do you have the opportunity to see? Um, and so even if it sits on private property, do you see it from the public space? And that's where we tend to get into these questions about was that public or private, but essentially we try and be very clear in our statement of public art is anything visible from the public right of way. And we recognize that, you know, that space of visibility has a, mm. a question around it, around access right. for those who might be visually impaired, but that is how we enter the conversation. And this is meant to be for us a space of interrogation that leads to other questions about accessibility, mm-hmm. but that's how we come, come into the space. So it's really exciting that this project, the Public Art Census, is going to land here in Albuquerque, in Bernalillo County. And um, so can you tell us about, you know, um, how is it going to land here? And um, yeah, yeah, how is it going to land here? How are you going to land here? Sure, sure, sure. sure. I'm, I'm quite excited. Uh, I am a Midwest Southern Caribbean girl by nature. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to being in the sort of south southwest area. Um, I have found a, a fondness for Albuquerque and a couple of times I've been able to visit recently. Mm-hmm. But it will, you know, some things that we do in this practice, we try and be as equitable as possible. And so we're excited to be, you know, bring our team down, but also recognizing that we are circulating 
funds within your local creative economy. So we're really excited to work with and alongside folks who may consider themselves artists or creators um, in your city neighborhood and folks who might just consider themselves supporters. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a team of scouters who will go out and help us canvas, uh, again, all of the public right of ways um, in the county. So that's fantastic for us. Um, We'll spend about three, four months doing that. Depends on the pacing and how we how uh, it is to traverse the roads and walkways uh, in Albuquerque and throughout the county. But Mm. then we'll look at the report, you know, start analyzing this data. So your stakeholders are asking specific questions similar to how do we think about spatial equity? What's this? What do we do with this notion of spatial justice? Um, How do we start to understand who has a stake who is making claim, who has the ability Mm. to manipulate our public space. And that's something that was really intriguing for us to find in Marion County. Mm -hmm. We catalog all of this artwork. We also do a deeper dive on who are the makers behind the artwork. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at their demographics. We're looking at their medium and style. And then we can start to see, are there discrepancies? Are there disparities happening? with regards to possibly who is being tagged for these these opportunities to make and manipulate the public space. Mm. Um, because those things come with dollars, right? right. Uh, most of these works are commissioned. And so we were able to identify, well, for majority of the works that are being commissioned in Marion County, it's the same artists being tagged over and over again. Mm-hmm. But we know that we have a much larger pool of people who are interested in making work at this scale. And so w- where's the discrepancy and why are, why are they not either receiving or being made aware that these opportunities are available? Mm-hmm. Um, we're also able to look at you know um, topography and thinking about where is art placed? So not only who are we investing in in terms of the artists and creators, but where are we investing? Mm-hmm. So we identified something um, that we f- we are very, very proud of is public art deserts. Mm-hmm. We believe that public art is essential. We believe that public art is an asset and good in our neighborhood. Um, it's a piece of uh, necessary infrastructure. And so we can analyze and say that, you know, these areas are devoid of public art. What does that mean? And we break that down by... Um, median area and income, we break that down by walkability, we break that down in a few different sectors so that we can look at what a public art desert might mean through a few different lenses, again, of accessibility. Um, So that tells us, well, why are we not investing resources or support? It doesn't always have to be money, but possibly Mm -hmm. just um, city or government support um, or those agencies who identify as pseudo in some way, an arts-based agency um, for these neighborhoods who might be interested in having right. public art or some sort of beautification method happen in their in their community, so we are, we able to see all of these things and start to get a better picture, a more broad picture of what is happening in our communities and our neighborhoods. Again, if we value art, which I believe we all do, especially those of us on this call. And we recognize that art and culture is a driving force for things like tourism. And so coming at this from Mm -hmm. a city or county level, how do we start to respect the art and the artist a bit more? And that's what a public art census allows us to do. Sounds like it's gonna have a really big impact Mm -hmm. on the, not only for the staff, 
but also for the community and all the scouters mm-hmm. and all of that. So that that sounds really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, that oh, yeah. analysis is um, is probably really fascinating as well. Like you were mentioning, like <laughs> collect the data, yeah. but then what do you, what do we learn from yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes, Joni, we we learn so much, and that's the you know I'm, a, I'm sort of a data nerd, um, but I think when we when we're able to gather as much information as possible, it gives us a an opportunity to view the field of play from a variety of perspectives. And so essentially we can ask questions that we weren't able to ask before because we didn't have anything to inform the question, right? Right. And so now this gives us the opportunity to say, oh, wow, we've got all this data around demographics. We've got all this data around housing and um, density of artwork. We have all of this data around um, density of artwork and where schools are placed. So we can ask so many questions that it's mm. like it gives me chills to think <laughs> about. <laughs> because That's great. Art is so art is so vital to our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's about as much time we have today. I look forward to future conversations with you when you land here and when all yes. the scouts are out scouting about. Uh, me too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we all um, are. Any final comments? From Matt, do you well, have any final? You know, I, I'm. I think what we're interested in from a from a public art standpoint is to hear the Albuquerque, the citizens of Albuquerque, define as what public art is. Because what we define as as an organization, as a government entity, is for for us to put funds into it and to consider it public art for us to be able to commission it has to go through the arts board process. Right. So right. we know there's works out there in the community that are people are going to identify as public art, but it could be more of a cultural asset versus mm-hmm. a public art or city asset, you know like a right. art program, art collection, you know, asset. Mm-hmm. So we'll, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays and what what comes out of that data that you guys collect. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. That's one of the reasons we love working with artists, creatives to be the canvassers and scouters, mm-hmm. because they also have an eye for art, right? And so they're mm-hmm. seeing things that that other people might otherwise dismiss or just drive past or walk by and overlook. Right. And so you're absolutely right that that definition, we keep it very simple and say what's visible from the public right of way, and then we we gather everything. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's going to be wonderful. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us via Zoom, Denicia. It's been lovely thank talking you. with you. And yes. thank you, Matt, for walking downstairs or upstairs or wherever your office is in yeah, this well, building. Well, right now it's downstairs, <laughs> but we're moving up to the first floor soon because we're going to be doing a first floor gallery called Gallery One, which is going to be, we're really excited mm-hmm. about that too. So yeah. we're going to have a gallery here in City Hall that we can bring artwork to you know, bring in art as well as, as display more. So yeah, we're, we're excited that's exciting. about that. Yeah, lots, of, really. lots of big things happening <laughs> yes. here. So, um, well, thank you again. And um, thanks to all our listeners uh, for tuning in today. But I bet you're all asking a few questions. One, how can I learn more about the public art census uh, so that I'm prepared for when it lands here in Albuquerque? So uh, you might want to start by learning more about Denise and her team by going to www.roKh.co. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about a completed public art census, Denise and her team have provided a downloadable PDF of their Marion County, Indiana Public Art Census. It's on their website. You can find it by clicking on the Public Art Census tab 
on their website, and it definitely is worth a read. I'm enjoying reading it. Um, fascinating stuff. So, um, so yeah, this has been a great conversation, and we have more conversations coming up in upcoming episodes. So our next episode will be released on Wednesday, the 8th of November. We will be talking about the big changes that are happening, as Matt um, noted about the gallery that is mm -hmm. coming in, um, coming into City Hall. Uh, these big changes that are happening in the city's uh, public art program, a teaser, we are going to be talking about the big budget, think the extra 0.5% mm -hmm. um, that the staff is very excited about working with come 2024. So thanks for listening. Uh, we hope that after you've listened to this podcast that you will take another look at Albuquerque's public art. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Albuquerque Public Art Program, the Public Art Collection, opportunities for artists, and so much more, visit cabq.gov publicart. To learn more about the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund, visit cabq.gov uetf. Tune in next time to take another look at the City of Albuquerque Public Art Urban Enhancement Division.